and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus Van Staden of the University of Johannesburg Center for African Foreign Policy and Diplomacy. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon, and a very good afternoon to Aaron Conway Smith, who is a senior correspondent for Global Post, based out of Johannesburg as well. And、uh, Aaron, I'm thrilled to have you on the show because you're one of the very few people that we've had on the show that's actually lived in China and in Africa and can really kind of speak competently on both sides.、Uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Eric. Good to be here. We're going to talk about today、uh, a rather complicated and sensitive issue, and this is really the issue of Kenya、uh, and, and the ICC. And China this past week came out and、uh, through the spoke the foreign ministry spokesman Hong Lei,、uh, he came out and said, in really in defense of the、uh, of the president and the vice president of Kenya, who are potentially facing who are facing charges at the International Criminal Court, and it was rather unusual to see China get involved in. This space. So, Cobus, when when this kind of headline crossed the you know crossed our radar and、uh, and made news, what was your first reaction to it, and why do you think it's an important development? Well, I was just surprised that China was jumping into this issue.、Um, you know, the obviously the issue of、um, you know、uh, Uhuru Kenyatta and William Ruto actually facing the ICC is super controversial in Africa,、um, and there's even been calls by Kenya and and a bunch of other African countries that they want to withdraw from the Rome Statute,、uh, which is the statute that set up the International Criminal Court to begin with. So I was surprised that that China is weighing in on this because China. Frequently tends to not weigh on, in on these issues.、Um, yeah, and I was actually wondering why you thought what, 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 why they chose this time to do it. Okay, well, let me first read the quote from Hong Lei, and then we can kind of talk about some of the politics that are going on here.、Uh, and this is the direct quote: "We have noticed that there are different voices in Kenya on the ICC trials, and that quite a few African nations have raised serious questions about the trials." And there you go, talking about the controversy, Kobus. He says, "We hope the international community will respect the Kenyan people's choice, and the ICC will heed the advice of African nations and the African Union." So,、uh, you know, Aaron, my take on this, and, and really, this is more about the Chinese political calculation than it is understanding the African politics or the ICC.、Uh, number one, the Chinese like multilateral institutions, so they like things like the African Union. And when Hong Lei, you know, made a reference to the African Union, I think that's a way of supporting. Supporting the African Union.、Uh, number two, I think that the Chinese are very, very apprehensive about、uh, government leaders being put up for international trial. Um, it is something that they they were very uncomfortable with what happened in Libya, and even though they uh, did pass, uh, passively support the、uh, the Franco-British American、uh, intervention in Libya, but for the most part, this is a day, you know this this avoidance of interfering in other countries' internal affairs is is a benchmark of their policy, and so the idea of the you know a, a leader being put up to the ICC for prosecution, they always have the concern that well one day that could come back. And bite them. When we think of Tibet, we think of Xinjiang, we think of all the sensitive issues in China that certainly opponents in the West would want to take at. So, when you look at this story from a Chinese politics point of view and from your time living in Beijing, what was your reaction to it? Well, I mean, you're right.、Uh, China's non-interference policy, <laughs> you know. Means that they don't like,、um, you know, other countries, international organizations getting involved in sort of domestic political affairs. I think in this case they're basically, you know, kind of 
showing their like friendship basically to the African countries, like kind of putting their weight behind them a little bit um, with with this statement. Um, I think it's more about you know bolstering their their ties to these African countries. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I, I, that's what I think it's about. Yeah. Um, but again, it's a bit hard to know. You it know, is hard to know. What's going on there. You know, Kobus, let's, let's build on what, what Aaron's been saying. You know, one of the themes of the China-Africa engagement story that we've talked about is that it's more than just mercantilism. Uh, I believe that there is a, a political diplomatic side here. You know, Africa rent, represents 54 uh, votes in the United Nations. It is a member of a number of international bodies. And part of what... Uh, uh, China has been doing is trying to build coalitions around some issues uh, that it that it values, and this is really one way that it can support and become uh, you know uh, that leader of 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 the developing world that it, it it sought you know for so many years to do. So this idea that you know that what Erin's kind of putting forth, and I agree with her that you know China is trying to kind of put some credit in the bank of of a number of different African countries on the diplomatic front that may be drawn later on. What's your thought on that? Yeah, um, you know I think. What's frequently underestimated um, in in Europe and America is the level of resentment and kind of chip on the shoulderism that that exists in Africa and in China about being spoken to, being chastised, being criticised by by the West. Um, you know, kind of I read in one you know in a bunch of you know articles that I read about about this issue, one person saying that well you know kind of the you know. You know, there aren't really judicial structures set up so far to, to prosecute human rights abuses in Africa, or not strong ones so far anyway. Um, and, you know, kind of this is actually very good for Africa, and the fact that, that this court is in The Hague, that's just an irrelevant, you know, kind of technicality. And I'm like, no, it really isn't, you know. It's like <laughs> the fact that this court is in Europe and it's it's prosecuting Africans, I mean, that that has a whole lo- whole raft of issues um, and resentments and so on, you know, kind of coming with it. Um, and I think China was probably quite canny in, in, in realizing that this, is, this, this kind of resentment is shared um, and that, you know, kind of both China and Africa have issues with Europe, you know, kind of understandably. Well, so, let, me, yeah. let me kind of broaden the, the diplomatic kind of framework, trying to understand, because none of this happens by accident in Beijing. Uh, these are very calculated decisions as to what they say and what Hong Lei, just like the American press secretary, uh, very little is left to, to spontaneity. So there was some thinking behind it. And, and Aaron, you know, one of the things that comes to mind to me is to see the events in Syria and to see how the, the Russians have really effectively stood up to the Americans in support of Bashar al-Assad, to see how uh, the Chinese have supported Robert Mugabe uh, for many, many years in Zimbabwe, to see how the Chinese have supported the Iranians uh, quite effectively in defiance of international sanctions, Um, you know, and Chinese oil companies, for example, that do business in Iran and also in Africa and also in the United States are not subject to sanction. So it really, going to Kobus' point about sticking a finger in the eye of the West, that this might not be a bad time for them to start asserting themselves on behalf of Africans, in part because they may sense some vulnerability in the ability of the West to respond, and that China's leverage is really quite strong right now. So, I mean, I guess, the, you know, the question is then who is 
you know, who is the statement by Hong Lei meant for? Is, is it meant um, for the Africans to sort of show China standing behind them, show China's friendship with African nations, or is it meant for the West? It might <laughs> I'm, be. I'm not yeah. Sure. What, what do you? I don't, yeah. I, I, who knows? I, mean, <laughs> I well, know that's the. Presumably, he does, and somebody in the foreign ministry in Beijing does. <laughs> but I guess I'm trying to kind of muddy the water here that uh, mm-hmm. this this is a a bigger platform for China to step out on and on behalf of Africans, but maybe that the ultimate message is to the IC itself um, and you know it, you know it's funny because you know Co- you know Cobus, my background in Africa is in the Congo where the ICC successfully prosecuted uh, Bemba uh, and of course the international tri- war crimes tribunal successfully prosecuted Rwandans and there really was this sense as you pointed out that uh, this is a, a European kind of way of picking on Africans. Listen, no one's going to defend Bemba and no one's going to defend, you know, what happened in Rwanda. But it's just that it's a lot of brown people sitting in front of white people being judged. And and that was, I think, the resentment that does come out of this court. You know, you don't have the head of J.P. Morgan, you know, J., you know, uh, being put in front of the International Criminal Court, even though a lot of people in the United States in the Occupy Wall Street movement would love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, that, you know, kind of the, the people from the ICC are saying that, well, sorry, but this is, this has a lot to do with, with scheduling and so on, and that there are a bunch of, of, you know, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and so on related investigations going on, but they just simply haven't made it to case level yet. At the same time, um, officials from, you know, so, so a bunch of, of Kenya and a bunch of other African countries are throwing around the idea of withdrawing from the Rome statute. Um, and, but then, you know, officials from Cote d'Ivoire, from the DRC, from Nigeria and South Africa have said that they are not interested in withdrawing at all. So, you know, kind of it might not be that such a kind of a, a unanimous voice than, you know, kind of Kenya, Kenya would like to pretend. Well, let me, now let's go to the Kenyan side. We've looked at the Chinese side. We've kind of made fun of the West. Uh, let's look at the Kenyan politics side here and the fact that, that this may be a great opportunity for China to strengthen its relationship with Kenya. Uh, a little bit about the politics here. You know, Obama, who is of Kenyan descent, did not go to Kenya on his most recent trip. And many people, I think you included, Kobus, suggested because uh, it wouldn't be really opportune politically for Obama to be photographed with a potential, uh, you know, uh, ICC uh, su- suspect. So I think the State Department actually implied that. They okay. actually kind of said it. And so knowing that Obama is not ever going to make it to Kenya then this is, this is an opportunity for the Chinese to increase their political capital with Kenyatta. Uh, number two, uh, you know, there have been, there's two key economic developments that are happening. One is a massive pipeline that has been talked about uh, to come from South Sudan through the port to, uh, you know, to Kenya's ports to, to take oil from, from South Sudan. And then the other, of course, is a big natural gas and oil finds that have happened off the coast of Kenya in Kenyan waters. And so the Chinese have growing economic interest in that region. So maybe this is a a little hat tip for them to kind of say to, to Nairobi, hey, we're here. You know, we're going to back you. I th- yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's also in the biggest scheme, it's kind of no skin off China's nose, you know, kind of because China is is not a signatory. Like the U.S., China is not a signatory to the Rome Statute, which means it doesn't fall under the International Criminal Court's jurisdiction anyway. So it kind of has nothing to do with them anyway, and they, they pretty much just win, I think. Yeah, you know, Aaron, let me, let me go back to kind of the traditional Chinese kind of politics here is that, and, and this is, you know, Kobus has talked a lot about this as well, is that the Chinese have an affinity for supporting elites. They like incumbents. 
They like established powers. Uh, and you know what? Kenyatta's got the office now, so he's, he's the guy we're going to back. And one of the things that the Chinese have been, you know, take a lot of pride over their years in Africa is that they are, you know, they're not fair-weather friends. They stick with their people, you know, through good and bad. I mean, they're still supporting Mugabe after all these years, even though the guy's becoming a political liability for the Chinese. They're still with this guy. And I wonder if the fact is that they're helping Kenyatta when he's down right now, they're in, they're placing a little bit of a, of a bet that you know this guy might be around for the next you know ten years fifteen years, and we you know we rub his shoulder today he's going to rub ours tomorrow. Sure, I think there is some um, pragmatism about these things, absolutely, um, and you know I, I do agree. I think this is a chance to score some brownie points. Uh, I had a look, but I didn't see anything else though coming from the Chinese side on this ICC issue. So whether or not they'll kind of you know. Whether this is sort of a one-off, you know, or not, just a little well, moral to be seen. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little hat tip, as you said. Um, but, but it is worth noting, actually, that um, that the Chinese did invite uh, Morgan Changrai, um, who is uh, the head of the opposition in, in Zimbabwe, over to China um, when when he was still part of that um, that power-sharing government um, with Mugabe. So I think they are as well, even though they do tend to support sort of the the incumbent, the elites. They are sort of Again, as I said, pragmatic about these things, and um, you know they, they are willing to engage with um, with the political opposition. I think if they think there's something kind of to be gained, and kind of hedge their bets, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I was I th- in I was in Beijing. Sorry, I was in Beijing actually during that visit, and was quite surprised um, that they had invited him. But I think at that time. Uh, he was looking better politically, yeah. so I don't know <laughs> where he is today. If, yeah, if he'll get yeah. another invitation back, uh, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> you know, Cobus, as we kind of you know close up this issue here, I, I think Aaron makes the most salient point, which is pragmatism. And so, as we're trying to read through the tea leaves of what Honglei said and why he said it, and what was the motivation and what their ultimate intent and audience for this was, ultimately it's it's the pragmatism to strengthen their own positions, and, and that's consistent with all of their policy across Africa, which is self-interested as it should be. Um, so as you try to read through that, pragmatism seems to be the most salient point here. What's your, what's your closing thought on this story about the ICC and what it means? Yeah, no, I completely agree. You know, kind of, I think, I think what China is probably interested in is having the, the least amount of, of disruption. Um, and in that way, in a weird way, you could probably read Honglei's statement as, you know, because he, he calls on all of these international bodies to listen to African voices. Um, you know, kind of, so if, if there is a move, which some people have, have questioned, but if there is a move from a bunch of African countries to withdraw, to withdraw from the ICC um, early next year, apparently it's coming up the, as, a dis, as an issue to be discussed in the AU early next year. So if they happen to withdraw, then that's going to cause a whole lot of, of all kinds of problems. Um, so, you know, kind of it might weirdly be read as, another call for stability you know kind of so if the icc if you know kind of the call to the icc to be more sensitive to african sensitivities and but you know to listen to africa more that could be read as you know kind of icc stay off our backs but it might also be read as if the icc is a bit more sympathetic then the icc as as a whole will work better you know kind of so in a weird way it's it's quite a kind of a sophisticated thing to say because it kind of plays to bo- in both sides, both ways to two different audiences. You know, 
know, when when you're speaking like this, two things come to my mind, and one is the this harkens back to the non-aligned movement. Uh, you know, back to uh, you know, in, in the during the Cold War, there was this these whole group of developing countries and third world countries who really wanted to remain you know neutral, where they were mostly anti anti American largely, but nonetheless wanted to kind of remain neutral. And it was very much this talk where the big powers, China of the emerging world and India as well, would stand up to the to the West and say, you know, we're not going to take this anymore. Which, if anybody took it seriously or not, that's a different story. The other point that brought it up was interesting was that ever since China joined the WTO, we've not had a new round. Uh, they basically shut down the WTO on behalf of emerging countries in opposition to uh, the subsidies that the, the major economies were providing their farmers. And so here we're seeing China again take the lead on behalf of a group of emerging markets. Whether or not that is their intention, that's, it's one way to interpret it as well. And this is, again, another you know, reflection of how China is throwing its power around in the world. Uh, and so if they do organize a withdrawal or at least motivate or propel a withdrawal from the court of a number of African countries and support that, uh, that would be rather significant. So, so Aaron, uh, any, any final thoughts on, on, on how you see this from the diplomacy side and, and what, you know, what we've talked about today? Well, I mean, in addition to pragmatism, yeah, there is as a kind of a don't rock the boat mentality often. Um, so I think this is a very carefully worded statement. Um, and, and I'm not sure if, you know, we'll have to see whether they're going to, um, you know, take this to the next level or, you know, make further statements on it. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, so, I share I share your skepticism. I don't think you'll see too much more yeah. out of this. I, but nonetheless, it mm. it kind of did pop up, and this is out of the ordinary for uh, for China Africa relations, and it's just a new wrinkle in it. And so, uh, well, Aaron, well, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. One of the things we do at the end of every show is we kind of point people in the direction of what you're doing on the internet, so they can kind of follow what you're reading, what you're writing, and, and again of where you are in the world. Uh, what's the best way that people can find you. Sure. I'm on Twitter at EJCS, and you can read my work at globalpost.com. And uh, Global Post, again, just uh, we've talked about it all week during uh, Aaron being on the show. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a great international news website. Uh, not very well known. We kind of, you got to tell the folks of the Global Post to put a little bit more in the uh, Google AdWords marketing budget so we can kind of figure out, <laughs> so they can, more people can hear okay. about it because there is some great, uh, there's some great reporting that goes on there. Aaron's is on there from South Africa, and, and, and I know a couple other reporters are doing some fantastic work over at the Global Global Post, so a little hat tip there. And, uh, of course, to uh, Cobus, if people want to follow you on the Internet, where can they find you? I'm um, active on our Facebook page, and you'll see my name popping up there. And I'm also on Twitter at Stadenesque. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. And Cobus mentioned our Facebook page, facebook.com slash China Africa Project. Uh, it's really a fantastic place to kind of follow the issues, stay on top of what's going on, but also to engage in discussions with Chinese, with Americans, with Europeans, with people from all over the world on this. Uh, Aaron, have you been over to our Facebook page yet? I have. It's fantastic. Excellent. Of, um, uh, yeah. Well, we'd like to see you get in, in there. Uh, so yeah. uh, get in there and get in some of the discussions, and you might even get a chance to talk to Aaron. Uh, but Cobus and I, we put our names in brackets, and uh, I'm a little bit more belligerent than Cobus is, so uh, you'll, you'll <laughs> see me getting into fights with people a little bit more often, all in the good spirit of improving our understanding of China-Africa relations, of course. Uh, but then again, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me over at E-O-Lander. That's E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. I'm tweeting the top channel. 
China in Africa headlines every day. And uh, and again, if you want to follow our podcast, the best way is on iTunes. But you can also find us on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And for however long BlackBerry has left on this planet, we're also on the BlackBerry network as well. So that'll do it for this edition. We'll be back again uh, next week with another edition of the China in Africa podcast.